0: back. We'll be right back. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Queer Quadrant, a podcast where we, two bisexual filmmakers, examine cinema in all its cultural contexts and explore why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it
1: is. I'm thinking of a number, darling. Mm, Brooke, what number is it?
0: I don't know. Two? Because... Yeah. yeah. We're a pair. Yeah,
1: there you go. <laughs> but okay. there's
0: not two of us. There's three.
1: Okay. I'm thinking of another number, darling. <laughs> it's three. We're we we're not podcasting on The Weekend. We're podcasting during The Week, which is mm-hmm. a little disappointing because if we were The Weekend, I could just keep saying Weekend, as he says in this movie, which has been ringing in my head since November 22nd, I think, or whatever day I saw this movie. I have not stopped saying Weekend like weekend, mm. you know? I was
0: waiting for your your Bern, your Bernstein impression. It's
1: not good, I'll tell you that. No,
0: of course not. <laughs> um, hi, I'm Brooke Sullivan. <laughs> well, <laughs> neither is <Yeah>. his. I <laughs> know. <laughs> <Yeah>, <laughs> That's well, he's what, do- that he's yeah.
1: doing a voice, which I appreciate. You know,
0: he's making a big 100%. choice.
1: He's making a choice. Look, Br- the thing is, Bradley will always make a choice, whether or not like we're always on board with it or not. It's a choice, and I have to stand. You know. Hmm. Uh oh, oh! Uh- we we sense dissent in the ranks.
0: <laughs> oh no! To be clear, I really liked this movie. I really okay. did. Um, but you did well- not
1: like? Did you not like um, the twink voice first, where it's like, "Oh my God, Lenny is here to do like the, the, the you know whatever." Then it slowly as like the cigarettes and he gets older morphs into something like this.
0: I I uh, may have thought it was a bit much.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: But like okay. you said, he always makes a choice capital c. But you know, I'm I'm just happy to have a couple of experts here to talk mm. about this. Mm. I'm Burke Solomon.
1: Jordan G- the Maestro Lover Gustafson.
0: Mhm. We love talking about being queer. We love talking about cinema. We love talking about queer cinema. Here we are talking about it on mic. Um, and we're joined by the creator of the Maestro Moment. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> the maestro um, moment herself
0: cinema's number one fan writer and editor-in-chief of fran magazine it's fran hofner hello 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 it's truly an honor i know that we always say that but like this is an extra honor
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
3: thank you so much recently i was like i think i need to in maestro a little bit uh so this is sort of like my last hurrah before maybe I take a breather on mm-hmm. Maestro.
1: I mean, it's been moments for like months, you know? Yeah. You've been on the Maestro moment kick for a while.
3: I know. And I, and I fear that there's more
0: moments to come.
1: Absolutely. They don't
0: stop is what's really crazy. You'll need to take a victory lap for like award season. So you mm. you, better, you better rest up while you can. Well, if there is a victory to come,
1: that's the real question, you know, but we can like, I feel like that's like an end of the conversation, like what it leads to for him. Mm -hmm. But I feel like diving into the, the research and reading for this, I wasn't like I would see like the interviews pop up, but I wasn't aware of how on the trail post strike he was and he is everywhere because like during the strike of course he was like making philly cheese steaks or like quietly going to screenings just to be there you know but now he's like dga podcast actors on actors directors on directors this place is getting an interview you're getting an interview so it's, it's hard not to be maestro pilled at this very moment he looks sleepy. he does look sleepy
3: like in some of these more recent ones i'm like maestro please take a nap <laughs>
1: the maestro needs to sleep to to perform you know before every big rest maestro needs to think about his life
0: my personal exactly. favorite maestro moment so far has been him at the quote-unquote premiere with carrie mulligan and lady gaga just like slanking him on yes. either side yes. i can't wait for every movie he makes to just bring another talented white woman into the fold mm-hmm. and soon mm-hmm. he'll be surrounded Completely. By like twelve of them,
1: a white woman who loves to do a voice, like who I feel loves like, to do a voice, like Carrie Mulligan in this voice, doing a voice, you know, blue or however she says it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, anyways, I feel like since we should just dive in here because Fran, I feel like the minute I don't know was it it was either the trailer dropped or something, but we immediately reached out to you and you were like, "Hey, thoughts on coming on to talk Maestro?" Because like I think from the outset, like obviously, like. You had, like, tweeted about, you know, Cooper, et cetera, But I think, like, we both also knew that you were so well-versed within the classical music scene. And, like, I think you had posted stuff about Bernstein beforehand. What has your relationship been with this movie since, like, first, like, photo to, I feel like, now?
3: I've kept up with this movie for a long time. I mean, I I grew up listening to Bernstein recordings of... Bernstein conducted recordings of classical music were very big in my household. And um, I had an orchestra teacher in high school who used to have us kind of sit around in the office during lunch and watch the young person's concerts. I just yeah. I love him. He's been a part of my life for forever. Um, and I've been keeping up with this since like back when. Bradley Cooper and Jake Gyllenhaal were like fighting for the rights to this, which is maybe like yes. 2015, 2016.
0: It's been a journey. I
3: stand by what I said then, which is that they should have just both been allowed to make a Maestro movie and we should yes. have been able to see what happened. But I'm, ha- I mean, they're just two crazy guys. I was like, it's good that this is a, a coin toss between two of the craziest guys that we have. And yes, I. It just sort of like passively kept up with like casting announcements. And then when the first when the paparazzi photos of him in old age makeup in Central Park hit mm-hmm. last mm-hmm. summer, it's like I went insane because I think I had just not really reckoned with um, what Maestro was going to be. Yeah. Uh, and what he was going to look like what he was going to sound like (laughs) every paparazzi photo every set photo i would say every still in this movie can be read i think sometimes as both or kind of an and or situation as like totally beautiful and also completely deranged and i have just stayed with it the whole the whole time as someone yeah. who was like very pleasantly surprised by Star is born it felt not impossible to me that the movie was good but also everything i kept seeing suggested otherwise so
1: yes him with that like pink fucking lemonade or whatever, where he's just yeah. Sipping I love on the pink
3: drink. Yeah, a Huge. sweet a sweet sip for Maestro. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Maestro needs to keep his throat ready, you know, at all times. Yeah. Did you like? Well, because I think you had talked about either in your review, but like basically how A Star Is Born like grew for you on rewatch. Because I also feel, or at least like that's at least like was my for like first time I watched it. I thought it was like very shocked and liked it even as like a little monster myself for gaga oh I feel my like God. there was an apprehension with cooper just because like you know i the heat and he's talked about it himself how like he didn't want to be pinned as like the hangover guy but that was still how society at large kind of like looked at him and i feel like stars born for mm-hmm. sure shifted that but that's a movie at least for me where the more rewatches i had to it the better it got and i would say the same kind of happened with maestro like revisiting it, it's only improved. But
3: yeah, I well, when I saw *Stars Born*, I saw it only the one time in theaters, and mm. the person I saw it with really hated that movie. Mm. And I think sometimes when someone has that strong a reaction with you, it be, like, and they're so certain about it, it becomes very hard to to parse your own feelings. At least for me, um, and. I didn't come out of it being like, I love it, and the person I'm with hates it. I was just like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, And then it was only on increasing rewatch. I think I've seen it like three or four times now. I frequently will watch the first half of it and then just be like, I'm good. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, possibly also the future with Maestro, too. But um, just the, the craftsmanship and the momentum that Star is Born is able to build is really mm-hmm. kind of remarkable because I find that a lot of just contemporary films don't have that momentum to like yeah. want to keep watching to see what might happen. And I think like the miracle of Star is Born is that every time I sit down to watch it, I'm like, maybe this time that I watch it, it's going to have a nice ending. I feel so tricked every time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think he kind of gets away with that with Maestro as well.
1: I think he does. I mean, like, my biggest notes on this, like, the first time I watched it was how propulsive that first 20 minutes are. It's
0: wonderful. Are. When yes. where
1: he bongo drums on the man's ass, bolts out, runs in, and then, like, the camera is just zooming, flying. It has, like, this 50s, like, big classic Hollywood broad emotion to it. And I feel like that's what he's doing with the Star Born as well. Like, Cooper is so good at playing with these big melodramatic emotions and he's not afraid of like shying away from that and I think that's what makes both of these movies work so well is that he's just so operatic in how he's telling these stories but Brooke what do you what do you feel because obviously like I think you have a little bit of a different relationship with both movies yeah
0: I think these movies are very similar uh in that they have the same strengths they have the same weaknesses they have the same relationship between the two lead characters they're obviously both deep entertainment stories. Um, They're both performances of masculinity in uh, some way. I really like both A Star is Born and Maestro, but I'm not obsessed with them. Like, Jordan, you're obsessed. And I say that as a compliment. (laughs) I think they are... That's crazy. I think they're so... I think they're very worthy movies to be obsessed with. I'm not obsessed. I feel slightly at a distance from mm-hmm. Bradley Cooper's work but I think it is because it's not quite my type of story and I yeah. always want a little bit more obviously my story is very very different in that uh you know he's staying very true to life uh Whereas a Star is Born is obviously completely fictitious. Um, but I always want a little bit more for his women. And mm. I find the love story melodrama in both to ring a little bit false. But all that being said, I think that he's a very good technical craftsman. I love his directing. I love the swings that he's taking. Mm. Um, I just wish I could like lean into the obsession and I don't feel like... I can. I'm a little cool on both movies. However, like I think they're very, very well made, mm. and I completely think that like the emotion in them is true. It's just not as true for me as I want it to be.
1: Totally. Those yeah. are my thoughts. No, those I are love my that. thoughts. I feel like but that's so I also
0: valid. Fran, I have to I have to shout out like you when you were reading Bernstein's giant book of letters. And mm-hmm. posting about it in Fran magazine. Like that was basically my first relationship with Bernstein ever. Like mm. I have no relationship with him as a composer. I we were not a classical music household, so I can't really speak to it with any kind of expertise. Um, but I did see this movie with Uh, one of my parents' neighbors, her name is Barbara. She's in her 80s. Slay Barbara. literally my idol. (laughs) And she is like, lived in New York for a very long time. Huge, huge lifelong Bernstein fanatic. He uh, conducted her choir when she was in high school. And for one of like his youth touring, she used to like watch and listen to him constantly. So it was amazing to go Mm. with her Um, And I feel like I was able to talk about Bernstein with some level of intellect, in part because of like what you had posted about Um, and sort of like learning about Bernstein through the lens of Fran Hmm. was very interesting.
3: I'm so glad. I think those letters are a great entry point into his life because... They're they're definitely sort of jargony and that's that's like a very long book I read over a very long time where I frequently forgot who certain people were. But they just give um, a real sense of how he communicated with other people and I think the big swings just in terms of affection and also depression that he kind of gives off where it's almost like when you see like old letters sampled from like Kafka or Darwin and they have the ones where it's like, I hate everything today. I'm going back to bed. It's like great to see that from like 20th century people either, as well as the inside jokes and the shit talking and all that stuff. It's, it gets very, I have to say that those letters get really depressing after Mm -hmm. his wife, Felicia passes away and it becomes very hard to, know what's going on with him because she was kind of the main person he was like confiding in about his life and so the last hundred pages of that book for better and worse it's like nothing about really what's happening to him and it's only Mm. back and forth with steven sondheim where they're sending each other anagrams and other word puzzles or just shit talking what's on broadway which is like its own kind of delightful but you're sort of like what's going on with this guy all he does is send word puzzles to steven sondheim all day do you mean mean i would love to see more of that? Stevie. Yeah, Stevie. They're (laughs) all calling each other such crazy nicknames in that book constantly. That's so fun.
1: I mean, I feel like didn't Cooper talk about like how he either like was like a lot of the writing was based on the letters. And I mean, there is that whole Felicia letter where she talks about like basically like acknowledging his homosexuality and is like, you'll never change, which is, I think, like a big tenement, obviously, for what we're going to talk about today. But
3: yeah, I think the letters were most of what they drew on. Yeah. yeah.
0: In fact. Yeah. And then he continued to have relationships with like other men after mm. Felicia passed away, which obviously the movie doesn't touch on, as it shouldn't because it's so much about them. But um, yeah, I think that it was very interesting. We had a guest, I will not say who, who had seen an early screening of Maestro and said it kind of feels like a coming out movie for Bradley Cooper, um, which I thought was, I was going into it kind of with that knowledge in my brain. Um, It was very interesting because I very much, I understand that when you take like the melodrama and you take what a huge sweeping, like, old-school romance movie this is, Um, and you take, like, the voice and the prosthetics and the fact that he's doing a performance, like, Mm -hmm. big capital P performance, Um, it does feel certainly like a huge stamp being like, yes, this man is not me, but I see so much of myself in this man, and that's why I'm making a movie about him. Um, But I, I think that it's smart in a... You know, for a composer and an artist who, I don't know, certainly the public Mm. remembers as like great composer, gay, kind of crazy to have it be about the relationship between him and his wife. That is a relationship in all senses of the word and not just like one of those weird lavender marriages, Um, you know, like it's a it's a proper relationship. I don't think this is a movie about Leonard Bernstein being a closeted homosexual. I think it's about him being on the bisexual spectrum with a lot of commitment issues. Basically. It's interesting.
1: Oh, interesting. I didn't know if you were going to have a bisexual read or if you're going to have a homosexual, which is what kind of what I wanted to talk about as well today, because I think like walking out. So I saw this at the, Egypt, the newly opened Egyptian in Los Woo-hoo. Angeles. I'm jealous. It's gorgeous. It's actually like since the Arclight closed, I would say it's the best movie theater in LA in terms of like projection quality sound system share like it fucking rules um and I got like free maestro posters after which was huge for me <laughs> um <laughs> wow. but I saw it with my parents and my dad was the one who actually wanted to see because my dad's a huge like Bernstein fan and so I feel like growing up I had that part of like my brain like the like awareness of who he was um, mostly in like the Broadway space because also I was mm-hmm. a little Broadway. On the town twink. West Side story. Um, exactly. Good times. And so it was yeah. like it was interesting, like kind of watching it with him because I think like he and my partner had the read that it was mostly about like hi- um Bernstein's homosexuality and like specifically being homosexual while like not necessarily being bi. Whereas I think like some people read it as like this bisexual thing. And I think like Fran, I'm sure you could speak more to like Bernstein, the person himself, like the more that I've like sat and thought with the movie, I do read him as just like a gay man within this relationship and not like the relationship with Felicia being like deeply of like love. And I think Bradley Cooper himself is like such, uh, he loves so deeply and I think he loves love in his characters so much and he certainly Uh,
0: loves cinema so deeply, for sure And this is like an extension of that yeah of course yeah and i mean like his his
1: crazy cinephile brain is coming out the i mean the basically like everything with the aspect ratios the black and white the way it like changes from like 50s formalism into like 60s realism but like with the queerness i think my read was that it was very at least like for me read more like gay within the confines of this relationship and I think like ultimately though like at the end of the day I don't know if it matters the movie is saying like leave it for your interpretation because I think like all of our conversation will boil down to like that first quote which is like the movie opens with like a work of art does not answer questions it provokes them and its essential meaning is the tension between contradictory answers and I think like that's the entire movie where it's just laying out these things for you to think about timeline is thrown out the window ways in which people move between like nothing matters ultimately in terms of like these like specific points but it's like what are you interpreting from this and how are you reading these characters and these scenes and these emotions long story short that's interesting that you had the bi read whereas like I had I was coming at it from a more like gay read um Fran what do you feel
3: <laughs> I think he's a gay guy who loved his wife so much mm. is kind of where where I read that relationship at least is like articulated by Cooper who I think has also talked about the like black and white and color split being sort of as the world like modernizes and yeah I imagine it I feel like this is less articulated in the movie but Cooper's talked about it and I think it sort of comes up maybe in the letters but like for a period of time when Bernstein was of the marrying age, basically him and all a lot of his gay friends, including David as played by Matt Bomer and Maestro, like, they they had wives. They had children. And yeah. they, they all sort of all knew, like, what the deal was with everyone. Whereas you have, you know, 15, 20 years younger Stevie Sondheim who has a husband. And right. the ways in which, like, as time moves forward this like becomes a thing he could technically do but would probably Mm. have to sacrifice a significant amount of fame and notoriety and everything else um yeah i think i definitely read at least cooper's interpretation as as like like this is a gay man but that love is not disingenuine and he I think so much of this movie, if it can be answered, can be answered by the fact that like Cooper's production company is called Leah Pictures or Leah Pictures. And it's like the stick figure drawing of the child jumping into a parent's arms. I'm like, okay, I understand what this movie is about. My friend saw an early screening and then saw it when it premiered at New York Film Fest and told me that. The scene where Maestro is at the club at Tanglewood at the end oh, yeah, not in the f- the first cut that he saw, Whoa. which might have been the second cut, and I think a lot about that. I'm like, who and what? How did that note was like, let's get that back in the movie? We need the yeah. club.
0: That Love the scene, club scene was
2: nuts.
0: Oh, it's
3: insane. It's <laughs> it's insane. So
0: crazy. I, I think it's, yeah, it, that Is an interesting like that scene is an interesting juxtaposition to the scene that I kept thinking about after the movie, which is almost like a throwaway scene. Is when he goes and runs into David Matt Bomer on the street and is talking to the baby and is like, Oh, I've had sex with both your parents. And then he has the
1: best line delivery of the movie,
0: yes, yes. And then you know, you just have the two men walking in very semi awkward. Silence yeah. down the street, and realizing that this is sort of the end of their relationship for both of them, even though ostensibly now they could be closer friends, lovers than right. ever because they both have families. Yeah, that are about mm-hmm. the same age.
1: He's trying to rein it in. He's
3: reining it in.
0: Yeah,
1: you get
3: like a glimpse of Hangover Bradley for a sec, mm-hmm. which is so funny yeah.
2: in this movie.
1: You really do. That's uh, Brooke. That is. I think the scenes with Bomer are. I mean, like Matt Bomer. I feel like I feel we talk about. I think like offhand because he'll pop up in gay movies every once in a while. But he's, he's just—he's never the lead. I uh, didn't know
0: he was in this. He appeared, and I was like, oh. Of, of course. course. <laughs>
1: Who will play a twink? Oh, Matt Bomer.
0: <laughs> it's great. Good for him. You know? But he,
1: like, the scenes with him are definitely... Like, I think He's it's great. the scene with He's Felicia where he movie. introduces, like, uh, the maestro introduces Felicia to him and is like, oh, we're going to go get drinks. Like, didn't mean to spring this on you. You can just read Bomer's face of, like, doing the math of everything that has happened in his place within maestro's mm-hmm. life completely being diminished yeah. and gone. Because they're probably still sleeping together at that time or maybe like it feels that way, the way in which like Bomer's realizing like Maestro is no longer in his life. Um, Yeah. It's it's so quietly devastating.
0: Yeah. It's certainly like this period of being someone semi-famous in entertainment in the 50s is fascinating because it's exactly like you were Saying, Fran, there's you're probably 15 years away from not having to hide this sort of thing anymore. But also, there's still that kind of like fun, hedonistic, incestuous sense of things like the New York theater scene, where a lot of people have had sex with a lot of other people. I feel like there's a lot of swingers rumors flying at this time when that was like kind of hot for a minute. Ooh, famous people are swingers. Wow, it's so crazy. Um, And I think it's interesting that, like, the way that the movie lays it out is that, like, very, very harsh lines were drawn. You don't even ever see, I think, and this is a very smart choice, you don't see any sort of conversation between Felicia and Lenny to discuss, what do you mean you like men? Oh, am I supposed to have known this the whole time? You just skip right to the 60s and, like, we've talked about this. We Mm -hmm. know who we are as people in a relationship. We have like, ends of the bargain that need to be held up, Lenny, you're not doing a good job holding them up.
1: Yeah. The movie itself never tells you, like, when Felicia necessarily finds out about Lenny being gay and or, like, when she realizes. And there are sequences in which, like, you can read into it of, like, whether or not she knows. There's that whole first part with Sarah Silverman where she's kind of shocked that Felicia is going to see Lenny. And, like, she says, like, Lenny is never one to kind of, like, keep something a secret. Um, or, you know, there's the whole entire dance scene, which is, I think, fucking phenomenal, but like where Felicia sees, uh, you know, Maestro being pulled away by a bunch of guys and like him talking about like, the, no, this is like what I want. And like Cooper, not of sensibly saying like, this is the exact moment Felicia found out, but insinuating like how early on in the relationship was she aware that like Maestro had these queer tendencies and like, wouldn't necessarily be able to be tied down in this relationship for good. And I think that, yeah. like, that's the benefit of the movies; it's leaving so much, again, like, back to the first quote, up to your interpretation of, like, this relationship and the character Yeah, himself. and it
0: doesn't matter either for this discussion or for the movie in general, and certainly not for, like, the real man himself, right. <laughs> where we want to <laughs> place him on the Kinsey scale. Like, it doesn't <laughs> matter. But I think that what is the most interesting is, like, the idea that, yes, he's fighting homosexual tendencies and also fighting commitment issues and, like, being a massive, massive narcissist. That those things are very much like hand in hand. Mm.
3: Yeah. It's
0: not cause and effect, but they definitely inform each other. His only problem is not that like, God, he just needs to go out there and get some from other men. It's that (laughs) he's like incapable of having a functional family structure because he sucks up all the air in the room no matter what.
3: Mm. Yeah. He's always the villain of all his own problems, uh, though he is certainly like a product of like a society, you know that like mm-hmm. forces a kind of small mindedness, be it about like homosexuality or his Judaism or something. yeah like that. Um, I don't know if either of you guys listened to or read when Cooper talked to David Remnick at The New Yorker, uh, which is a really great interview. Though he's constantly saying David, he's always like, "That's a, such a great question, David." It's like stop saying his name. Like it's, <laughs> that's what is such this? a Bradley um, Cooper
0: thing. I swear Cooper to God, Cooper is
1: such a fucking insane man. I love him. <laughs> it's he's so just funny, so crazy. Yeah. But yeah, so the yeah, the interview yes with David.
0: Uh, with David, yeah. So
3: they talk about there's a sort of infamous incident in the '60s or '70s where Felicia specifically, but like the Bernstein's as a couple at their apartment, um, hosted a fundraiser for the Black Panthers uh right. and they kind of had these like pretty radical politics for the time but a lot of it was about like trying to keep up with youth culture and they got like really savaged in a magazine write-up of the event kind of making fun of them for trying to be like cool and woke and i think uh, among numerous complaints about this movie i think people are like it doesn't really go into like what their politics were and mm. cooper was basically just like that's not in the movie because that paints, like, the press as against the family. And the movie is not about, like, any sort of external force tormenting this family and this couple outside of, like, Maestro himself. Which I thought was, like, yeah. as good an answer as any about the, the politics of the film.
1: Completely. Like, I don't think that that would be necessary to the movie itself and at all, like, what it's trying to say. And I think, like... So many biopics fall into that trap of trying to do so many of the real life moments or so much of like womb to tomb or like here's all the stuff that like everyone knows about and portraying it in a dramatic light. But I feel like what this movie succeeds in is, like, not focusing necessarily on that. And, like, we don't get a ton of, like, maestro composing, you know, like, performing. Like, a, like it's pretty stripped down in terms of, like, the character study aspect of it. And so much of, I think, like, if we're talking about the portrayal of, like, the media or maestro as villain is, like, or at least, like, the victim of his own self is that interview where he's with Felicia and he's talking about... Um, music basically like expressing what it's like on the inside and what you can't express on the outside and kind of like these dual lives that you're constantly living is like the victim here is like the time period and maestro's inability to like how are you like grappling with that and like the only time that he can fully feel himself and be like quote unquote out is when he is conducting and it's like his safest space and that's where he's fully expressing himself but he can never be his full self whether in front of a camera behind a camera because there's all these externalized forces whether from him or outside forces that are forcing him into like these boxes and so much of that is like similar with the star is born is like it's the pressure of being a celebrity and like when you are at this scale especially for Bernstein who got it at such a young age how do you literally like exist in the world It's it's insane. Yeah. And like even like Cooper himself, like even though he was a star at a later age, he is a star. And like, how does Bradley Cooper himself, you know, exist within these worlds? And I think that's probably something that he's able to like put onto Maestro.
0: Oh, of course. That's why it makes perfect sense for him to direct this movie. But that's also why it's so like brilliantly uh, like perfect that this is a movie about Leonard Bernstein sort of like destroying himself from the inside out. And it feels like all the criticisms and issues with this movie are all swirling around Bradley Cooper. Like everybody else is completely unscathed. Not that this movie is like being panned or anything like that, but um, the prosthetics discourse about (sighs) his nose and like the fact, you know, whether uh, a non-Jewish celebrity should be taking on this directing sure like yeah in the first place basically bradley cooper by centering like his own artistry and the actor plus the director so squarely um in the spotlight for maestro has made sure that in the same way everything is about him
1: mm. It's because then like it's interesting in relation to like the the mulligan of it all and, like billing her first etc too and like the way in which the narrative like is it fully about felicia which is i think is not no. true like i don't <laughs> no. think felicia it's is about him i right. don't think
0: she's the lead either i think she yeah. like it it's i think it's very nice that she's billed first and i i totally. loved carrie mulligan I mean, she's in fe- this fucking phenomenal yeah in this movie um but it's not about her
1: right it's about maestro
0: it's about it's a bernstein it's a bernstein yeah. biopic
1: but I mean like you even like to answer to those like I think like we really don't need to give a lot of airtime to those like prosthetic or like no, makeup things no, no, because like no. I just wanted to literally want no but like once you see the movie you're like you kinda forget about it. Some of like the makeup work is staggering. Like we talk about that final dance scene and like how crazy it is. But like <laughs> this it's is some crazy. of the best like old age makeup. Like his neck, his hands look so real and they move in a way that feels actually real which I feel like a lot of old age makeup doesn't like either the face doesn't move or isn't emotive but like Cooper is pulling so much from his older performance like especially the opening you know our bookends Mm -hmm. where he's again like immediately performing in front of a camera uh it's fantastic because like you see the layers beneath like the makeup and like what he's actually feeling
3: yeah I think the quality of the prosthetics kind of outweighs the debate I also think it just like it's sort of a the Irishman thing which is like the longer you watch it and also the older they get you're just sort of like okay this is this is fine it takes a little bit of maybe adjusting to but I feel like a really underwritten about thing when that was all happening was just that like Jewish actors for a long time were also like in Hollywood and sort of the golden Silver Ages of Hollywood were playing like every ethnicity yes. possible. Yes. And so it's like not as if anyone is innocent here ever. Correct. Um
0: could not agree so, more. Also, yeah. I have not seen yeah. one person and again I don't think we, this needs to be brought up, but I have not seen one person mention the fact that Carrie Mulligan is playing um a character who's supposed to be half like Latinx, her <laughs> family's from Colombia. Right, uh, Costa Rica. My bad, Chilean. Uh, Chilean. Chilean. Wow, but I just I ran think through. I'm, I Are could they be white? Wrong, but they might have Chilean? been. They were yeah. white. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. That yeah. is what I. I believe that. Yeah. Assumed because I was yeah. like, surely, surely, we would have not gotten this yeah. far, right, into this movie's press cycle without somebody talking about this. So yeah, there we go. But yeah, um, I totally agree. I don't think it's a big deal. At no. All. But my my opinion is not important. All this matter to be clear.
1: All opinions are important. Mm, of incorrect course, about the maestro. <laughs> um, but like, because I guess, like you know, because we are a queer podcast. I it is. I think that this movie is so. I texted you about this, Brooke. Basically, like, I don't know whether it was like a few days after I saw it or whatever. But I think that it was so refreshing watching this movie in terms of like our podcast and talking about queerness because Cooper portrays his you know queerness homosexuality what have you with such like it's up front and center it's so genuine it's so tender and it's done in a way that I feel like a lot of modern movies don't have this sort of like warmth and intimacy and even though a lot of the movie is about Felicia they like every time we are looking at Bernstein's queerness it's not done in a way that's like casting an eye or like very judgmental it's just a part of who he is as a person and i don't think like cooper at all is like judging it it's just like who this man is there's
0: no way that he could ever get i think this far into making this movie and immersing himself so much in like star and director power and have any sort of judgment towards any part of for instance no right but that's i think what
1: feels so refreshing is that it's not because especially when you're dealing with it queerness at that time period when it is something like when you're dealing with like the closeted life like I can feel like it can feel and we've seen this before with movies where it's like a terrible thing that this gay man has to deal with or you know like the repression but it feels like it's handled in a very like tender nuanced way and I think like especially like opening the movie with him literally like bongo drumsing on a (laughs) twink's butt uh, it instantly kind of like thrusts you into Bernstein's like life and like where he's at and there's never a moment where like a parent is like Leonard you can't be gay Leonard like being gay at this time is awful you know it's just like we know from the time period that he can't be out and that's enough to kind of graft on and go forward with. That's all you need.
3: I think it's important that most of the time when you see him with men, he's having an awesome time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe, like, not so in the, like, slow breakup with, like, David, played by Matt Bomer. But, like, he's happy to flirt, and he's happy to hang with men, and he's happy to go to the club. (laughs) And the pressure, like, namely comes from, like, his relationship with Felicia, but she has that like amazing scene at the restaurant with Sarah Silverman where she's like, oh This God. isn't not my fault also, because I said I could deal with this and like I'm not dealing with it right. very well. Like it the the fact that it gets like portrayed as a mutual point of failure, whether or not you as a viewer like agree that this is like equally both their faults, I think feels
0: important.
1: Totally. Yes.
0: That they had such a symbiotic relationship that both of them did feel responsible and were also like struggling against their natural desires like Felicia in that that amazing restaurant scene like she says I you know I looked down on everyone else for feeling like they needed his attention and I thought I could survive without it but I can't and between the two of us who wasn't being honest about that and I I just thought that was such a great way to have someone like that character externalized blame Mm. like on herself to say I you know I wasn't honest about what I could
1: handle yeah and honey also didn't realize that she had a type which is just twink and that's okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's so hard to be a straight woman in theater god is it (laughs) if if this movie taught us anything it is that it is just rough Anyway. It really
1: is. But like no, I mean, that dinner scene yeah. is fantastic. I think like all these scenes in which... I mean, like I think about the Maya Hawk scene so much with Cooper where they're talking about the rumors and... Oh, yeah, where uh, he
0: like straight up lies to her. Totally. And Wild. like... Wild.
1: He gets that... Mo- there's like... There's a... Cooper kind of talked about it on the DJ podcast, but there's like that 30 seconds in there where uh, Maya Hawk in... What is a good performance? Which I was kind of shocked by. I was a little nervous because she kind of has like... Uh, modern face but she blends in well with that like transatlantic vibe but when she kind of is like very relieved and is like okay thank you and then she casts that little bit of judgment on him for being gay like thank god like wouldn't I don't know exactly what she says but she kind of judges the idea that he could be gay and you see Cooper's face just kind of sink and there's so many thoughts that you're like looking at him and he's like Uh, he talked about on the podcast is like what if I said what I wanted to say and like said the truth and like he while he was acting in the moment was like I can't do that because I don't have to write these scenes to do this stuff and that's what he was playing in -hmm. that scene but Mm -hmm. if you're just watching it as a viewer you're you can just see the pain in his eyes that his daughter just had that judgment of like who he is and he knows the truth of who he is and like eventually like in a few years like she'll find out no matter what or he'll have to lie again and it will be a cycle just continuing but that quiet devastation just fucking guts you when they're, uh, it's just such a good scene.
0: <laughs> That's so interesting because my, not like, my interpretation of that scene yeah. was that she's disappointed in him for lying. Oh, that she already knows oh. and mm. that he like can't, she's disappointed that he won't tell her the truth that
2: oh fascinating he's treating
0: her like a child and I sort of felt that way about what you were saying earlier Jordan with hit the scenes of him with other men I love mm. that there's there is so much joy and there's very little like shame and judgment The shame really like comes from when he has a family and again it's not this sense of like oh I have to necessarily hide who I am it's like all of a sudden I have other people who are my responsibility mmm who I can't fully be truthful with. And it's the fact that I can't be truthful that is killing me. It's the fact that they can't know the whole of me, which is why I think he and Felicia had such a strong and complicated relationship is that she did know the full truth of him. He wasn't hiding anything from her and that they had, worked out this arrangement where he could have affairs as long as he was discreet and that like the problem was that he wasn't following he was getting sloppy yeah yeah
1: i guess like on different reads because i also had a a different read from my partner on that scene post coital between maestro and felicia where he's lying on his back and there's like the whole play where it's playing as like is it a back issue? Was it like he wasn't able to necessarily like last or perform? Like my original like my initial read on that was just like because later on we see like the back issues. I was like, oh, it was just like they had sex and like he had back issues. But like on rewatch, thinking about him, like, was it just because like he, he wasn't couldn't. fully able to like perform? And like this is kind of we're reading into the reading into the conversation that they're having where it's like, oh, okay, like that's what it is. And Felicia's just kind of like, sure um but his understanding i don't know but like that was again like a lot of the scenes are so much about interpretation and like what are we reading into it about maestro and his relationships
0: it really all does come back to that like first quote that first quote is applicable to essentially every scene of the movie i'm such a sucker for a quote at the beginning of a movie i love it i love it so much (laughs) and of course if you do it poorly then the as an audience member you're like okay Dumbass, like you could have done without that. But if it it like if it reveals a whole other layer of the film and makes it available to you kind of immediately, as opposed to it being available to you upon rewatch or upon thought, I love that. It gives you like an immediate deeper understanding of the film. I think that like the number one version of this movie that I like appreciate the most is this movie as a biopic. I think this is one of the best biopics Mm -hmm. I've ever seen. I love it I think it is so dimensional and so true and so lived in and so, I yeah. I wish I wish that every biopic was this kind of rich and interesting
3: mm. well I think just taking the lens of a relationship is a great way to approach mm. a, a biopic Um, so it doesn't feel like it has to do that womb to tomb like wikipedia-fying um type of tone that these things like suffer from a yeah. lot of the time like there's an actual in like filtering it through m- romance he gives like reason to have like really high highs and really low lows that are not just all professional um i remember seeing like an early review being like this movie didn't teach me anything about music it's like it's not a movie about music right what do you do t- what sorry
0: um
1: like why are you yeah. going to also, why are you going to this Bernstein movie for that?
0: I, I have to say that's kind of an insane thing to say when you think about <laughs> there how there are like multiple scenes that actually have so much to say about music and conducting and like how a conductor is crucial to an orchestra.
3: Yeah. I I completely agree, but I think it's sort of like talks. Of, I think it's like indicative of this like greater issue of like biopic, which is like we have to understand what this person did to understand like why they're good at their job and i think it's more worth just like giving up being like you will understand quantum physics and appreciate this biopic and just like go with like the impressionistic flow of someone's life yes yeah
1: because that's how life is there's not a moment in life where you can define everything or like you know everything in someone's life isn't like a specific moment that cat like categorizes like who they are or what their beliefs were like everything about life is impressionistic and it's all these moments blending together to like create the cohesive whole almost like you're conducting an orchestra to give you one gigantic piece you know it's like that's kind of yes the whole point and that's
0: it makes it just makes so much sense for Bradley Cooper or for especially I think like an actor turned director to do this movie that's what you're doing as a director as you're conducting right you know you I mean, are the conductor in this metaphor right
1: and he is, boy oh boy, when he is conducting, whoa! Like that sequence where we keep like floating. This is the in one, between, the one shot at Ellie yeah, where like April. at the end where yeah. then we reveal you know Felicia or whatever. But like that got a we got there was a standing or no not standing oh but basically like an but applause break in my theater for a solid thirty seconds after that because you get so wrapped up in the emotionality of everything that's happening with the music. And yes. then you get him running over and he's sweating and just hugs Felicia and his face is like imprinted on her fucking light blue dress and everything.
0: I thought that scene was that very touching. That
3: yeah. is amazing. Yeah. I cry every time when he goes to kiss her at the end of that and her dress is all wet. Mm-hmm. I like, I think like, that's where I'm like, he's he's like genuinely in love with her. He yeah. loves her. He yeah. loves at, at that scene. Yeah, he loves her so much.
0: He loves her. It's not a farce of a marriage. Um, and mm-hmm. they have such great casual intimacy too. Yes, you have them sleeping together, um, or at least post-coital. Um, but you also have like I love the scene right before he goes and talks to Maya Hawk where he's just getting changed and they're chatting, and it's very it, you know they're talking about very heavy subject, but there's still this like real ease between them. Even mm. the uh, what I think is the crowning jewel of the movie, the Thanksgiving parade, Snoopy the Warner argument, Warner. Ooh, Snoopy,
1: Snoopy, so, so who oh loves my Snoopy? God. Snoopy. Snoopy, he's fucking walking around.
0: <laughs>
3: That's like how I have to get into the voice now. I have to be like Snoop, <laughs> Snoopy. Snoopy. Um, Snoopy. My impression of him is not. I've lost it. I'm kind of getting her. I won't try. It's tough.
0: Yeah, she her accent is crazy. It's, it's great. So trans, I'm upset. Right?
1: Obs- I mean, like that's hey. why I love that whole beginning. Is like the whole like the black and white section feels so like of a different era, and like her introduction where she steps off the bus and the music just fucking goes bananas, giving her this gigantic intro, and then she starts like that shit rocks, and, and then I she fully talking, buy into it. Yeah, and you're like where are you from <laughs> educated
0: woman potentially british potentially not uh trans transatlantic accents we got right. to bring him back um but i uh, yes i agree i think that that the the argument scene with fantastic parade says so much obviously as any good crowning jewel scene should about their relationship and about how m- much felicia has had to restrain herself And how much she didn't realize, like, it would bother her. Because Mm -hmm. it's not that she is making herself lesser than when they're first courting. It's that she slowly realizes over the course of the marriage that, like, there's only room for one person, really, in this relationship. Yeah. Um, And how much that is, like, really... Pissing her off and I don't know I just I love how it is this very like kind of classical love story but how it plays a lot with gender roles both mm-hmm. in the sexuality aspect and again the idea that Felicia's like I I didn't need to make myself less because I'm a woman right. I understand like this you know I understand the confines of the time but this is again this is about you this is right. this is a, a an individual person-to-person argument that we're having here this is not a husband-wife right. argument
1: and it's, like, she has her own career into herself. I mean, the wife role is always hard in, like, a biopic about a guy. But, like, she has her own, uh, like, autonomy to her entering the movie, which is good. And, like, she was in of herself in real life, like, successful coming into the marriage, which She's I think is so character. important. a great
0: character. A great character.
1: Brooke, where can I get Jordan. maestro-appropriate clothing that I could wear to the, the concert tonight?
0: That's good. I give you an A plus, I yes. F- I
1: can't do his like Twinkie one where it's like, oh my God, I'm the maestro. <laughs> like not down there.
0: Because he still has the the accent. Right. He hasn't know? been still...
1: smoking too much.
0: hmm Um, anyway, listen, he he is a fashion master. Oh my He's god. He's a fashion maestro oh, as well as a musical maestro. Um and it seemed only fitting that we should talk about our fashion finds uh, on mm, this episode. Absolutely. So listen, the the holidays are behind us, but There's plenty more opportunities coming up. People have birthdays year round. People have concerts year round. (laughs) Maybe they need a little celebration. Absolutely. Okay. Forget the flowers. Get them Super Yaki. Oh my God. Have a cinema lover in your life. Doesn't matter what they need. Super Yaki is the place to find it. You want actual merch? You want accessories you want amazing just like cinematic paraphernalia to decorate your house of course you do of course you do uh super yaki has love letters to movies and filmmakers that all of us love and they are some of the best people on the internet if you want to shop small support good people support good cinema support independent artists like um, the maestro
1: himself
0: yes the the ultimate independent artist absolutely some um and wind up with incredibly like good quality uh merch whether that be shirts hats socks booty shorts newest <laughs> edition um or like we mentioned like honestly dozens upon dozens of different kinds of accessories super yaki is the place for you they offer local pickup mm-hmm. in la they ship anywhere in the world um and we highly recommend them
1: i'm imagining the maestro and booty shorts when you said that like that is a booty shorts
0: that say maestro across the ass he absolutely would wear that Let me just, I'll get on the phone. Hey, Supriyaki Yaki a big customer support beep, 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 team. Beep, beep, beep. We have an idea. As evidenced <laughs> by us harassing them on so a regular true. basis. Uh, anyway, uh, we love Superyaki. They do sponsor the show, but we would honestly sing their praises even if they didn't. And I Amen. mean that from the bottom of my heart heart and the bottom of my soul so yeah pro super yaki um we love it and hey guess what what as a as a gift for coming to our little performance here today mm. we we have something for you our loyal listeners what could that be uh a promo code wow. What? how exciting oh my um, god at checkout at superyaki you can use code superqq for 10% off your order that's superqq all caps no spaces
1: baby. oh my god okay maestro
0: so if the spirit moves you if the spirit of maestro embodies you and you know pushes you to get some of this wonderful cinematic
1: goods mm.
0: uh you should you should follow that instinct and you should check all of this out at that's superyaki.com that's s u p e r y a k i.com
1: let's maestro more movies
0: Excellent. No notes. Perfect. Everyone smokes so goddamn much in this movie. Yes. They make smoking look so fun. They make it look so cool.
1: It looks dope. It looks great. It looks
3: great. But though it it fully killed both of them, but they do make it look awesome. Yeah.
1: Is it worth sacrificing my life for a cool puff?
0: The second that the, I think the scene in the doctor's office is also wonderful, but they're like, you have lung cancer. And I was like, oh, really? wonder shocking what possibly could have caused this
1: but i'd be like that that i mean like Fran, you were talking about like when you cry i think like from that hug basically like those like next 15 minutes i'm kind of like a fucking wreck and then i think he kind of does the thing he does with a star is born where the shot of like a death is kind of like that cut to something like outside very quiet and you just kind of like hold on that moment for a while and he kind of does that twice with the star is born um but he does it the once here where we like she closes cut her eyes and we yard. cut to the yard yeah. and we're holding on the mm-hmm. swing for a little bit and then cooper uh or the daughter runs out i think first or mm-hmm. then Cooper, yeah, young, Maist- yeah then maestro goes out um but fucking devastating uh and it feels just like in a star is born where it cuts to like the Gaga singing and then it cuts to the two of them at the piano, which I think is again like a moment that then fucking kills me. But the man knows cry. how to deal. You didn't cry?
0: I did not cry at either movie.
1: Oh my God, you are a ink that is shocking. And you
0: know how many movies I've cried at. Yeah. I'm like did I cry in Star Is Born? I don't think so. Yeah, well,
1: yeah, I am but- the sap of the three of us here. I and definitely okay.
0: feel I again these mo- the two movies are so similar, and I, I don't say that as a bad thing, but I am impressed how similar they are because it feels like C- Cooper is getting another go at the movie that mm. he wants to make. Um, what's sort of ironic is I feel like award season is going to play out almost exactly the same for sure as it did for Star Is Born. Yeah. I don't think he's getting that director nom.
1: I don't know. Yeah, probably not. I, it's interesting. He I, should. I, I, agree. I, I
0: agree. I
1: agree. Yeah.
3: I think it's like he. It's better directed than it is acted by him. I, Though I love I agree. his performance, but yeah. I think the choices are definitely better in one way than another. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I think it's a. I think it shows more. Mastery maestro um, over the Ooh. directing than it than it does the acting. Like again, yeah. I I very much on the same page as you, Fran. I like this performance, but I do think it's a lot. Um, and it's okay. If, like Bernstein was a lot of man. Yeah. Like he was larger than life, very effusive, very like you watch you know. his like
1: real yeah. You know, he, the of the man is, but
0: it definitely feels. I don't know the the Oscars seem to kind of hate like quote unquote a tryhard, which I have always really disliked because we're all f- you're all fucking actors like we we all work in film everyone right. is trying hard okay like that's just thing, because yeah. some people act like they're above it doesn't mean that they actually are yeah. um but yeah like, I feel like that's gonna cost him I don't think it should but I if I had to only put him in one category I would definitely put him in directing over acting.
1: for sure yeah Fran I guess like for you coming in with like a lot of you know Bernstein IRL knowledge how do you feel like the movie played with like fact fiction and at least at least like the portrayal of like the man as a whole
3: um that's a good question I've I mean it certainly it feels accurate to like a coherent vision and point of view there were definitely some things in it Even just, like, sartorial decisions. There's the scene where he goes to, like, conduct the Thursday rehearsal in, like, the striped shirt and the bandana. Maybe, like, Maestro's gayest outfit. Yes. I think we can safely say. Where I was like, this is, like, he's playing his, like, hand to clearly Mm -hmm. here and it was sort of like driving me nuts the first time I saw it and then had a friend point out that like that's a real outfit like he wore that for real so (laughs) like any so much of what feels like it might have been like too big a choice has largely been backed up by fact so Mm -hmm. that I'm not like looking into it too much harder because I think all my instincts have been kind of wrong Mm -hmm. on this front um I mean so so often like what i use to like judge the metric of uh of a movie especially a like drawn from real life movie i mean with all movies like i just hope to be surprised and also i think with like biopics specifically i want to feel that the people who are making the movie actually love the person the movie is about and are not actually and are not just like pretending to like them because it seems prestigious like i think like You know, Bohemian Rhapsody, bad movie in many ways. But, like, I think that movie, like, hates Freddie Mercury in a way that makes it very frustrating to watch. And, like, I think regardless of, like, its accuracy, um, like, Bradley Cooper does love Maestro. Mm -hmm. Um, And he's very moved by Maestro. And I think that, that you can feel that, like, outweighs things where, like, it feels fuzzier i think with fact and fiction i think the only thing he's really futzing with most of the time is like the timeline right um like i think that i like i should have double checked this but i think that Mahler 2 performance comes after felicia mm. was diagnosed with cancer mm. in life or something mm-hmm. like that or it was like after she died even maybe but dramatically that works perfectly where it is i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fight it's that. the
1: resurrection basically for them yeah
3: Completely, yeah.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, and I guess like for you, do you feel like kind of? I guess like you answered it, but like between like reading the letters in real life, do you feel like the queerness was played like well? Like, was there anything like different that like should have been done, or like how do you feel about like the portrayal of queerness? I guess like writ large.
3: I mean, if if I had made the movie Maestro, I think my focus would have been maybe less on the marriage and more on whatever degree of like platonic queerness he had like i mean like my my dream leonard bernstein movie is a movie about his relationship with aaron copeland which i think might Mm -hmm. have been like very briefly sexual or romantic very early on Mm. but then they were basically like best friends for bernstein's like whole professional life and like You know, Copeland outlived him, but they were, like, 18 years or something apart in age. They hung out constantly. They wrote each other constantly. And I think, like, more than anyone that he writes in that book, more than Sondheim, who's also gay, like, he and Copeland are constantly talking about their relationships with other men to each other. And they're just so in the loop professionally and just, like, what's going on with everything that I would have loved to see more of that, like, platonic intimacy and like in choosing to centralize the marriage you get a lot of great scenes in there but just like my maestro was very popular and he had a lot of really close friendships and a lot of people who knew a lot of different or conflicting things about him and i was like Mm. oh i wish there was more of like maestro's friendships Mm. in here like you get a little bit of like um betty and adolf at that party at the beginning but like these are people he's writing to his whole life Right. Yeah. Who like don't go away after after he turns thirty or whatever.
0: Right. Yes. And Copeland is not in the film very much, um, and Sondheim like isn't even in the film. He's just mentioned. Stevie. Stevie yeah. is mentioned. Stevie. Lots. I, I I agree, and I think that I love the party scene, which is the first main scene in color when. Um, Lenny sneaks off with a younger man mm. um, and then is caught by Felicia and it's not this like oh, gasp how could you do this to me it's very much like dude this is like, kind of on. embarrassing for yeah.
1: you. I mean that's the thing with the whole big fight is like you're gonna die like an old sad queen or you know yeah. the quote, basically where she's just like literally <laughs> what just a dagger. <laughs> get yourself in line you, you uh, know.
0: Yeah but I love I love that party scene because you see Lenny as equal parts like a social butterfly and absolutely goddamn miserable like mm. god he doesn't want to talk to these people but he also can't help himself he loves and, a fl- he
1: loves lenny loves flirting there's yeah. nothing the man loves more <laughs>
0: and i loved i loved watching bradley cooper flirt because it's so good i think it's like stressful, it's stressful in a good stressful. way yeah, yeah. Or i'm like what is he gonna say right <laughs> it feels like too much yeah, yeah. It, again so like m- what I could not believe how many times I was reminded of Star is Born during mm. this movie in a way where I was not necessarily like trying to be. I'm very much like, oh, let's see what the this director has like next up. I don't think yeah. it has to be referencing past work or anything, but in a Star Is Born, like how aggressively Jackson Main courts Allie, and it is a little hey. bit weird but also like there's again he just he understands it they're clearly on the same page but you the audience are like this is kind of
1: wild Cooper is like not a su- well he's it's it's interesting because like he's subtle in some ways mm, but like, I don't think he's that some I, I, like thematically in some ways but mm-hmm. in That's how I feel. But in terms of, like, the characters themselves, I think, like, what works so well for, like, A Star is Born in this is, like, he's dealing with, like, these very big characters and these very big emotions. And by able to, like, buy... And I think that's why it works for me is, like, by using these larger-than-life characters, you're able to then explore, like, these large emotions for then the audience to kind of, like, graft their own emotionality onto, um, which I think is, like, why I liked them both. And it's interesting, like, The Star is Born, like there is a lot here, but I do, I think it's like in conversation with a star is born versus like treading over similar ground. Like, I think there are Mm -hmm. certain parts about like um, being a star, uh, being the maestro, you know, like how that is hard for a person. I mean, the whole first scene is really like a star is born. Like those, that's like a short run of that movie where it's like the first two thirds shrunk into 10 minutes. Like you are now a star. You've been born like Lenny Bernstein. Welcome to the state. You know, like that's, what it's doing uh, for Allie. No um, reversal. No reversal. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> but then I think like it digs into like different elements. Like I think a star is born, which is like a star is born then, uh, you know, veers into a different direction. Mm-hmm. But I think like, I mean like especially at the end, like I think like one of the sadder things that he does, that's like such a big dumb choice, but I like it is like when he's listening to the, like the Leonard Bernstein and he has like maestro one is the license plate. Oh, yeah. Like post death and how, like, Bernstein himself has, like, become the caricature of Leonard Bernstein, of like, what he thinks he has to be, and, like, there is the, wh- how you want to feel about, like, the club scene, you know, whether or not it's, like, he, it. time has kind of moved forward, so he can now kind of be more out with it, which is, like, good for him, but it's also that thing of, like, you don't know, like, who you yourself are like on the inside necessarily because it's just like all of like the broad strokes of like what the co- like the world has maybe like grafted onto him and like what he thinks he has to be yeah. um
0: well he's getting he's getting to live the club days he never got just in his 70s in a,
1: a gorgeous in a, red in a jacket really
0: deeply deeply unbuttoned shirt
1: um so much <laughs> chest so much the chest.
0: Maestro- the maestro one license
3: plate is like one of those things where I was like okay well he didn't have that but it's like yes he, he did, did? <laughs> I oh, oh I knew
0: <laughs> I knew he had to have had it because that I was rocks. like there was no way that a detail that that's great cra- that, that is that crazy would be in the movie without it being accurate
1: Cooper. so
3: much that just feels like this is too funny it's like that's that's real like he's a funny guy
1: he's so, he's silly. I Again. mean Meister also drip king. Like when he's <laughs> getting interviewed that oh, white finally. Diane Keaton fucking outfit, absolutely slaying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and he's so he's so dapper when he's younger. To oh before god, he yeah. starts really like going to being like I am a I am a in a specific like I'm one of a kind like he's right. very very slick oh, yeah. and charming I love how the early '50s section jumps through time and mm-hmm. uses transitions to move people between locations and stuff like that so Oh gorgeous. my god It's so wonderful and old fashioned I think that we very briefly mentioned the on the town esque dance sequence
1: It's so good.
0: It's it's this crazy dream sequence that then is never replicated again in the movie which I think obviously makes it stick more in your mind but it is very much like the B-Gay ballet.
1: It literally is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cooper oh, shows yeah. up in a That's fucking like- little sailor fit. <laughs>
3: I, I know. I thought I was like having an aneurysm when I saw it. I was like, I can't believe this is the movie yeah. that he made. Yeah. yeah. In a really great way. Yes. But I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going insane. Yes,
1: absolutely. Because it's, 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 it's progressing. And then I feel like my brain did the same thing where it's like, okay, like he's watching the dance happen in front of him, and then no Cooper goes into it, and then you're like fully like, okay, we are, we and are in this,
0: like bouncing around in a pair of very well fitting pants. Extremely, <laughs> who knew he had those dance moves in him? By has the way, has he ever
1: danced? I'm trying to think if he's danced before. I don't know if my maestro has done a big dance in a in movie in the
3: well, in the wet, hot American summer, right? Well, of course, prequel they do the zoot suit sequence Mm. which is not really dancing but it is moving those hips it is on stage yeah yeah uh i loved i loved that
0: sequence it was wonderful and i loved how they would keep playing his uh compositions throughout the movie it was so great to hear on the town blasted in like the 60s 70s i was like yeah i mean like like the west side story like of Mm -hmm. course coming in when they drive up which i feel
1: like everyone in my audience went bananas for that for some reason (laughs) like there was people snapping and i'm like where literally, where am I? Like this is not real.
0: I saw this with the AARP crowd. Highly recommend. Great time. It's a gorgeous. Um, it crowd was to like see it, with. it was like surround sound commentary. Not in a disruptive way, but lots of oh yes, I remember this. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. good. <laughs> uh, yes. the first shot of Bradley Cooper as Maestro, uh, in the flash forward when he's got he's got full prosthetics on yeah. looks like I feel like how most people remember Leonard <laughs> Bernstein looking. The guy behind me goes, Oh, Oh, that's him! <laughs> and, and I was rocks. like, "That's yeah, so good." <laughs> this is—I'm interested to see like the popularity of this movie because I think that people think of it as like, "Oh, awards." But let me tell you, my the- my little theater yeah. in the depths of North Carolina, was crowded.
1: That, I mean, my—I fo- saw it again. So I saw The Egyptian for my first watch, and the second watch was at like the Lemley in North Hollywood at like four yeah. p.m on, like, a random, like, Saturday. And that crowd was also pretty full. Like, I think the older crowd loves the maestro. Yeah. Your friend, did, where did you see it?
3: Um, I saw the premiere night at New York right. Film Fest, where they did it at David Geffen Hall, which mm-hmm. they had, like, just outfitted with Dolby Atmos surround sound. So it was crazy. Um, I was not at the, like, celeb dense one, which was the earlier screening, but I was at the late showing, which was also crazy. And then... I've seen it twice since. I saw it once in sort of screening room. And mm. I saw I saw a Sunday matinee with the AARP crowd who seemed to really like it. Um, but I just sort of wanted to get a different sense of just like how, how it was playing. And like, I wasn't taking notes the first time. So mm. I really wanted to like go back into it. I don't really have the relationship to it the way I do Star is Born where like every subsequent watch, I like it a little more. Mm. Every watch I've just been like, Yes, I still like this the same amount. I just sort of notice new and
0: interesting things about like the staging or the costumes. Yeah, yeah. and as as I mentioned, when I saw it with my neighbor Barbara, who rocks, she knows, was very, very familiar with all the people that sort of moved in and out of his life. And what mm. I like about the movie is that it it's not very concerned with you necessarily knowing who people are. They're just sort of presented as in Bernstein Circle, and if you catch their name, you do or right. it's not it's not it's not prescriptive it's not necessary that the audience knows you get the idea oh it's almost like that's what good filmmaking is but barbara was like leaning over and being like that's this person that's this person like she very much understood what like the patchwork and the texture of this movie and that mm. feels like something that will be fun in the subsequent subsequent watches is to like... Totally. You, you do feel like you can uncover more and more about this man's life oh, as you yeah. keep watching it. I mean, it's that's... not a surface-level biopic, which is great. No. I watched Rustin the same day as this, which obviously was setting Rustin up for failure, which I knew. But that biopic should... That, that movie should be so much better than it is. It's mm. so paint-by-numbers. It's so hold-your-hand. It's just like beat-by-beat-by-beat. By beat by beat. And that's supposed to be... I mean, it's like this big thing about uh Coleman Domingo, like an out gay man playing an out gay civil rights activist. And it should be m- so much more textured and layered than it is. And it's just not. And um, I think that it made me very happy to, with like how, how much Maestro was like, here you go. Here's the story we' yeah. we don't need to hold your hand. Um, again, it's very like basic praise that, all good films should do that um but it was it's just a nice yeah. reminder
1: no totally i think like rewatches pick up on more and his friends i think like texture is a great way to kind of like refer to this movie because like whether or not that be like the struggle and the conversations that characters are having or literally just like the look and like the blocking and the staging and the costuming and the production design of the movie like there is so much working to the benefit of this movie like maddie levitique's like cinematography is going off the fucking wall shout out maddie Uh, and like the pd is gorgeous the costuming is stunning um i think like that transition to color where we have felicia you know shot from behind and then we shot like the same shot with her in color is a great way to one two but yeah no i mean like the movie is full of it's it's fucking chock full of stuff so like the more you go back to it i think the the better it will be good movie Good movie. My great fucking movie. Yeah, Good I movie. I love it.
0: Like really does feel like the end of an era, maybe because I just spent too much time in the Fran magazine orbit, but like I was it truly has felt like such a journey <laughs> to like go <laughs> to, to, to finally see the movie. <laughs> yeah.
3: And then to have I'm so it scared all out about there. like what leg of the journey <laughs> is next. Um what more can my but... show do? <sighs> Three more months of press, unfortunately, yeah. um, where he just says the craziest shit constantly. Um, maybe he'll do another so food kooky. truck. I went to go see his food truck.
1: You did? Um, did I got did a, I got him? a sneak peek. Okay.
3: Yeah. But yes, I saw him briefly. He was doing so much time on the grill. I was like, what's he doing in there? But he was cooking. He really does not <laughs> want to talk to the public. It's such a funny way to like not do press. That's so is To like show up in public, but not interact with them. Um, right.
0: He's so weird.
1: Weird. He's so I weird. mean, I love all of his interviews. He is. I think you had this. I'm in, an
0: absolute fiend for cinema.
1: Like, like all of his DGA pods. Like, he is very like broy at times. Who is like,
3: he talking to for a DGA pod?
1: Todd Phillips. So it's like his like pal or whatever. You know, because okay, they're, okay, they're best uh, besties. Uh, I will say Mm -hmm. though like from that there's like he kind of talks about a lot of stuff that uh, he's talked about before and like other things Um, but there is like there's this thing about uh, Cooper that I kind of love and I don't know whether or not sometimes it's like an act that he's putting on but like he believes and repeats things so sincerely that I start to believe it. Like when he talks about like how he grew up, he loved conducting because of like the Looney Tunes or whatever. And so I'm like, is that true? Is that not true? But like he keeps going back to it to the point where I'm like, I think I believe you now. Or like, I believe that you believe that that was like your introduction. And there's like this just sincerity to him that I'm like, you little freak, I love you.
0: (laughs) He's incredibly self-assured. I remember when there was this sort of big battle of the actors between him and and Hall for these rights and it was like Bradley Cooper at no point didn't believe that he wasn't going to get these rights it it's he feels like he just sprang fully formed as a director with like yeah. complete confidence and like faith in himself much like the one and only Leonard Bernstein
1: well, there's this letter that to- I will say like n- removing how i feel about Todd Phillips at any whatever but, like, he wrote a letter to Cooper saying, like, believe in yourself. And Cooper, like, on the interview, like, tears up talking about, like, getting that letter and, like, telling him to believe in himself and keeping it forever. And it is genuinely very moving to hear That's him. That's
0: crazy. It was
1: wild. But listening to it, I was like, oh, my God, Bradley, like, believe Bradley. in yourself. Like, you're so talented, Mr. Maestro. Like, keep doing what you're doing. I love that man. I will ride for that man, <laughs> unfortunately. Me <too. laughs> this,
0: this is Me clear. too. Yeah. I wonder what he'll do next. Well, he's
3: working on this Will Arnett stand-up movie. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that he claims to direct. He, like, he and Will Arnett have been working on something for a while about stand-up comedy. Um, that I think is either co-written by Arnett mm. or like starring Arnett. They're really good friends. interesting. He's in with all those smartless guys. yeah, so I well, I guess because will Arnett is sober now, also maybe that's right. Mm-hmm. I listen to him on that podcast, and he's like he's so tight with all of them. But um, mm. what's interesting to me is that, like I hear a lot of like people who are not very keen on the movie but like, like some of it, be like, I think he needs to direct something he's not also starring in. I agree. And I, I see why people say that. I like, I, I sort of see what you mean just because it would be interesting. I think the big weakness of both his movies is script. And I think he's so Hollywood that he's working with these, like, classic, like, Hollywood screenwriter types who, like, help other screenwriters, like, bring a script over kind of the edge into, like, a movie. But I think i just like him to work with, like, of just a really good screenwriter for once and not these like workhorse mm. guys. And, you know, maybe that means like a novelist or something. Some Someone who sort of like steps away to do a script. But I actually think the weakness in both of these is just on the page.
2: Yeah. I,
1: I think he's, I like him in both. And I think like he does add a lot to the performance because because like, you can also graft on Bradley Cooper himself onto the performances. No matter how goofy the Jackson Main performance is, I do fucking love that performance because it is... Going for it, and like the same with Maestro. Like, I think it's a phenomenal performance, even though like it's big. But I don't think that necessarily mean that it, like means if that it's bad. If you're gonna go, if you're gonna go big, it's right. the guy to do it. Like the Coke. We didn't. We did not talk about the scene in which they are doing lines of Coke, and he holds the Coke over like, his head. He's like, "Do you want everybody? me to serve everyone?" Like that is delicious and like just him making all these sorts of like weird choices for himself is so he's fun. never
0: he's never is not talking which I love that's like one of my favorite things just talk just everyone talk over each other I'll figure it out yes you know it's great um, I'm shocked yeah. when
1: we were talking about stand-up that we didn't mention the Mulaney line because I feel oh, like that is that
0: was Everywhere. literally the only thing. We walked at the theater and I asked my mom, I was like, so what did you know about Leonard Bernstein? she was like, just that one REM song. What did you know about him? And I was like, just that one John Mulaney joke. Right. And that. What is the Mulaney joke? I feel like i maybe, this might've been one of the specials. I don't know. I it's, got it. Yeah, you got
3: it.
1: You Basically go like it. his dad gives him the sex Mulaney's talk. Dad. Mulaney's dad. And is like Leonard Bernstein wrote some of his best music when he was married with, or he's like Leonard Bernstein used to sleep with guys And he was married to a woman and he wrote some of his best music when he was married to a woman. And then like, that's the end of it. And then later on, he comes back to it and is like, I imagined myself in college about to go down on some rocking hard twink and then think to myself, wait a second, what would Leonard Bernstein do? And it's basically like, that's the, like the, basically like his dad gave him like a sex talk with like Bernstein as the bit. But I feel like that is like what a lot of people who are malignant. He was a great composer, but sometimes he would be Gay. gay. Yeah.
0: Yep. Mm, gotcha, it, gotcha. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, it's it's good. It's a good joke. It's it's yeah. definitely like a throwaway within the the larger the special. larger set. Yeah. Um. But mostly, I was like, oh, okay, nice. Sure. That's also yeah. kind of what I uh associate Gary Busey with. Where Mulaney has that one joke where he's like, some actors look trustworthy, but if you're gonna leave your child with Gary Busey, and that I like. Now every time I see Gary Busey in a movie, that's all I think. You're about.
1: like leaving my child with you. Anywho. Yeah.
0: Anywho. Um. We are talking about this movie before it has come out on Netflix, so we do not know pure public opinion. Uh, um, it's a little we'll nerve wracking,
1: you
0: yeah. know. It's going to be what it's going to be. Uh, Netflix, duh, duh, has, so Netflix has is is forced to now release their viewing numbers. Yay! But they haven't released this because it's not out yet. But it made allegedly like 300k in theaters so, so far, cool. which would make it, I think, the highest grossing like limited release Netflix movie if you don't count something like. Glass Onion.
1: Let's go. Um,
0: I don't know how much I believe that. I'd need to do some proper cross-referencing, but I do think this should absolutely be seen in theater. I kind of yeah. can't believe that it's for Netflix. Um, no disrespect to people with good well, home think, but, systems, yeah. but God, this it is so a better, theater yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, like Can you imagine watching the Mahler piece just in your living room?
1: Such a oh, bummer. Bummer. No. Bummer, um, bummer, um, bummer. But since because of that, it's come out on Letterboxed, and should you yeah. guess the average Letterboxed rating? Yes,
0: Jordan, <laughs> what do you got for me?
1: God, it's gonna be. I'm gonna feel depressed at the end of this. Uh three six.
0: Okay, Fran, care to put in a guess? Not not required. Two two eight. It's a three six. Oh. Two eight is. Oh, it is. Let's go. <laughs> wow. Okay, it, it's a three I six. I maestroed that. Most people are giving it nice. four four stars. Okay. Yeah. Oh, cool. Um. It's a little yeah. low
1: for me, but yeah, sure.
0: I think I think people like it. There's definitely like the big descenders, but th- even that, course, yeah. it's more of like a two and a half. Because how are you really going to knock this movie for craft? I think it's beautifully crafted, yeah. and most people yeah. have performances that they like, even if it's not Bradley's.
3: I think the people
0: I know who hate this do admire the craft. Yeah, it's wonderfully made, and once, yeah. like I said, shout out Maddie Lievitic, love you, man. I'm yeah. Obsessed with him. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's that. I say, I, w- I was gonna say, I wonder if his movies would be as good as good if he didn't
3: have, like, Mark Bridges and Maddie. But I think it's also, like, his movies are good because he, like, he knows to get these guys and he knows how to use them.
1: That's the thing. Yeah. When you're talking about, like, a maestro and a director, like, I think they are two similar positions because it's, like, you have all of these pieces in your orchestra and how do you do that? Like, how do you make it sing? You know, how do you make this work? And I think, like, directing, so much of directing is literally, like, finding a person who will do the best part of, like, that job, in that position and complement like the piece itself. And Cooper talked about like finding, I forget who did the PD, but like who made like this, like this New York sixties production design, like feel so real. And he talked about like on the DGA pod, like wanting that and like finding that specific guy to do that because he had done it before. So it's like, he knows how to pull people and who are like great at their jobs and then put them into the right position for like the material. And I like, whether or not, like, that takes away from how good of, a like, a director he is, I think, like, a major part of directing is knowing the tools at your disposal and how do you weaponize them. Um, And, like, he knows how to fucking hire people. So, yeah. that's part of directing, you know?
0: Essential, I would say. Very, yeah. very essential. Um, but. Okay.
1: Where's it landing on the queer feel? quadrant for you, Brooke? How many stars? Will you go first? You want- will Ooh. you go first,
0: Jordan? Where's it landing for you?
1: You know... Boy oh boy is that an interesting question. I, you know, I whatever, fuck it. I'll uh f- out of five. No, I love no, I no, believe no, 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 I, I
0: believe in the fuck it approach.
1: I mean, like, I don't I like I think my first watch out of this, like, even though it's not I think like what we would want for like the if he wasn't focusing on like his relationships with men on the forefront is a different movie. So like just to judge this specifically, like the movie is so outward with its portrayal of queerness and it's done in such, I think a very loving and real way and like maestro himself is uh, a gay man and it's done i don't know it's like hard for me to like think that it was done poorly so i'll just give it five for that like it does what it's intending to do and it does it well and i can't knock cooper for that like he's not telling a story about like maestro's gay relationships he's telling the story about like maestro a gay man and his wife you know like who he had like a very emotional relationship with so
0: yeah that's the story you wanted to tell i think i give him (laughs) what why are you apologizing
1: for i I, maybe Uh, that's like too high i don't know i don't think
0: so i think you should go with your gut i give him i think less brownie points than you do not because Mm. i think he should have made a different movie with a different focus or that he didn't I think portray this in a good way which he did. I just think that if you're setting out to make a movie about this this guy like you that's the bare minimum. Right, sure. Um and so I'm going to give it I think 4 out of 5. Damn. I think that it is impossible for this movie to hit on everything, but similar to what totally. Fran was saying, I think it's so overwhelmingly about the marriage and for the purpose of like Mm. this pod i do feel like i i really honestly felt like i was missing an aspect of bernstein's life that maybe cooper didn't want to go too too into because he himself is a straight man um but i so i do feel like i missed that a little bit Mm. i'll give it four stars fran what are you feeling
3: I'll give it five just to Boom. just to boost the average. Love just that.
1: Just to
0: boost the average.
1: Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Gorgeous. There it is. Mm-hmm.
3: I love it. I'm I- playing dirty, but <laughs> so did he to get the rights. But, you know? <laughs> no, did.
1: I mean, when you have Steven Spielberg and Martin Scorsese on your side, like, obviously you're going to get the fucking rights.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I'm keeping this from the rainbow standard, but I stand by my decision.
1: It's interesting. You will have Bradley Cooper uh, people coming at you, and that's me. So, like, better sleep with one eye open.
0: That's okay. I accept it. Um, it's it's tough to be a controversial figure in um, the world of competition. You're
1: living the maestro lifestyle. I know,
0: we're practically twins. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay, Fran. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. You're wonderful. Thank you for having me. Of course. I love
3: I love being on this podcast. Oh,
0: we love having you. I don't think we could have ever done this episode without
1: you absolutely not. i literally we, we, <laughs> okay. when the, i think the first still came out i did text brooke and was like we should just have fran on right and brooke was like yeah obviously <laughs> yeah. So, yeah.
0: and here you are um <laughs> uh what are you up to where can people find you what's new what's happening people can find me at
3: FranMagazine.substack.com or substack.FranMagazine.com. one of those
0: two will work and i'm hanging out there
1: hell yeah cannot
0: highly recommend i have my three free subscriptions and you best believe they have already been given out Um, oh hell yeah thank you oh yeah i well i talk i I talk about it like it's the fucking new yorker (laughs) um because it is because it is so i need to people are like what are you talking about i'm like no 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 read get you yeah i've learned so much i've learned so much about so many topics <laughs> that i would never have learned about otherwise it's wonderful anyway um you can find us also hanging around the internet um i'm everywhere at Brookby solomon
1: jordan h gus
0: and together at queer quadrant that goes for twitter instagram letterboxd what have you you can find the pod on spotify on apple wherever you care to drop your you
1: know for <laughs> concert <I'm sorry>. performances <laughs> Uh, <laughs> wherever you care
0: to get your podcast, drop us a review five batons only. <laughs> um leave us uh, a nice little rating. Mm-hmm. subscribe, do all the things, and you can tweet at us and tell us what you think about this film if you want to come at me. That's okay. No, I don't do it. that Um, no, it's fine. And tell us what you would like us to cover in the future
1: and Brooke, what are we covering next?
0: Uh, we've got a musical double bill for you. Oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia. Here we go again. It's going to (laughs) be a good time. We're going to (laughs) Greece. We're going to drink a lot. We're going to sing some Ava. We're going to get silly and goofy.
1: Going from this to that feels (laughs) insane. But we're nothing
0: if not podcasters (laughs) with range. Um, Absolutely. So you can tune in in two weeks for that. And is there Um, anything you
1: would like to leave? uh, I'm throwing it.
0: I'm throwing it back to you. Sure, is sure, there sure. Anything that you want to leave our audience? Well, are with? you thinking
1: of a number, darling? What uh, is it?
0: Did we decide on three? I think. Yeah, we it's three.
1: On obviously, three. Obviously, it's three. Okay, excellent. three
0: little ducks. Yeah, here we go.
1: Great.